Podcast Network, and I am your host, Mark. And today, I chat with Alana Justin of Motive Black. Her debut album is dropping, and after I had a chance to listen to it, I asked if she would do the podcast. I knew we'd have a great talk about the album. How could we not? It was produced by Nick Rowe, who's worked with Madonna, Vampire Weekend, Snoop Dogg, Lamb of God, among others. But it also features a duet with Carla Harvey of Butcher Babies, a guitar cameo by Marcus Curio of P.O.D., and Ray Loser, drummer for Korn, is all over the place. The album has taken a long time to come to fruition, and there are a lot of reasons why. But there's none more important than Alana's sister Mia. It's no stretch to say that this album was created for her, but it took a lot of life in New York to get Alana to L.A. to create the album Auburn. It's a story that you have to hear. But make sure that you have some tissues nearby. The album is an energetic, loving tribute, and I couldn't recommend it more. It's out this week, so pick it up wherever you get your music. And follow Elana and the band at Motive Black on Instagram, at Motive Black One on Twitter. There's also Facebook and the website MotiveBlack.com. Follow us at Performance ANX on Instagram and Twitter. Reach out there, Facebook, or email at PerformanceAnxietyPod at gmail.com and let us know who you'd like to hear from. Now get ready for a heavy show in so many ways with Alana Justin of Motive Black on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, I, I, I'll just jump in. It could be a hot mess. <laughs> hey, this is Alana Justin from Motive Black on Performance Anxiety. Check out our new album out February 10th. Cool. Mm. <laughs> Make sure everything's... Everything that's supposed to be on is on, and everything that's supposed to be off is off. <laughs> so, I don't know, I've been getting some, I don't, I, I don't know, I, I get weird phone calls now on my phone, I don't know why, but uh, I've been getting them from Cambodia, and uh, oh. got, got a new one from Vietnam today, and I don't really know why they're calling me. That happened to me like a year or two ago, I was getting a lot of calls from Asia. Really? <laughs> no idea why, and my fiance as well, like a, a while ago. I, they don't even leave a message. I mean, if, if you're going to call me from a whole other country, leave a message. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know why Vietnam's calling me and, and I'm not going to answer that call. So <laughs> let me know what's up, Vietnam. What I like to do is kind of start from the beginning and find out how you got to your, your uh, new release. So you are originally from New York. Is that correct? Yeah. I grew up on Long Island. Like, 20 minutes outside of the city. Oh, wow, man. I, I, I grew up in New Jersey. I used to do work as a photographer. I used to do work in Long Island. Everyone saw. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's, it's, I, I kind of miss the area a bit. <laughs> some things I miss, some things I don't. I feel like comforted when I go back to Long Island, but when I lived there, I just wanted to be somewhere else. But I think every, every kid does. You want to be where I always wanted to be like, I was so upset that I didn't live in the city, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially there. Cause everybody thinks, Oh, you're, it's New York, you know, it, it's, but it's, it's not the city. Yeah. No, no. If you don't, if you're not from that area, you don't exactly, nobody really seems to understand that, you know, like yeah. Queens, it's not the city, you know? <laughs> so, but so when did you really start to notice music? When did it make a, it really an impact on you? Well, I was really, odd as a child and I love um I was just a straight kid um I really loved old movies which led me into like watching like old musicals and things like that so oh. I kind of fell into that I think I had like a very like romanticized view on what life is and what the world is and that fit what I like this is how I thought it went right um, and then later on, uh, I think when I was in about first grade, my dad opened a nightclub in Manhattan. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he had a night on Thursdays where singer songwriters would come in. And when I was little, I would hang out like behind the bar and listen. And I just was like amazed. And it just so happened to be that a lot of these were women. And I was just like enamored with them. I thought they were the most incredible thing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Is it still an active club? Is he still involved in it or is it? No, I, I think when I was like, it, maybe like 22, he, he sold it. It was actually bought by a family member that's involved with Webster Hall. They're like a big family and oh, they turned cool. 
something else. Um, so I'm not sure what it is now, but the whole building it used to be in used to be like all recording studios and rehearsal spaces. Um, there's 30th street guitars in like right there. So oh, nice. Cool to like wander around there as a kid. That is awesome. Uh, so was that what really lit the, uh, the fire for you to perform it? Yeah. Uh, performance yeah. wise, I guess. Yeah. I think it took me till I was like in my late teens to realize that I could like actually write songs and like do a band. So before that I was really involved in theater and things like that. I just like performing. I kind of liked um, encompassing other people. And I think I still do that on stage. Like I'm a pretty introverted laid back person. Okay. So it's like fun to kind of like on stage come alive and really get lost in the songs that you write, you know? Oh yeah. All right. So you started off acting. Did you learn any instruments or is it singing has always been your main focus? Singing has been my main focus. A little bit of guitar, but I'm like just naturally spastic at that. So I really just got into. <laughs> I wrote poetry as a kid. Okay. So like lyrics um, came came pretty like easily to me when I was younger, and I thought I think it was a really good escape, and I I loved singing, so it sort of was a natural progression. Did you ever do any of the open mic nights at your dad's place? I didn't, which is so weird. Oh, wow. I think that was like a like. I, I just like was so enamored by it. I, I never did it. Um, but I actually, there was this vocal coach named Melissa Cross and she sort of would organize it. She has this thing called the Zen of screaming. She trains a lot of screamers and like heavy metal singers. Oh, wow. So when I was a kid, she kind of took me under her wing and would like, she's more like an aunt than a vocal coach. She um, oh, that's trained awesome. me for years and I, I really was influenced by her. So what were you listening to that made you want to start playing i mean besides you know outside of the uh, open mic nights i'm sure there yeah. was there were other artists that you were listening to i started listening to like heavier music i guess around high school like i got really into system of a down and and just like uh, also like some emo stuff and like i just was more alternative and didn't really fit in with the theater crowd <laughs> so much. i kind of find like another outlet and it wasn't a super like it was a very mainstream school i feel like there weren't a lot of people interested in what i was interested in uh, so um it was cool the long island had some cool shows i remember like we'd go see brand new or i went to a system of a down concert or like i just it was fun times but that's sort of what like i just started listening to a heavier genre and i remember i went to go meet with her to take more serious lessons and she was asking me what kind of music i liked did i like like boy bands or girl groups and i was like no <laughs> everything <laughs> I like heavy music. And then I also, ever since I was a kid, I've loved like Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Okay. And like writer women, even like Jonah Osborne. So I had this like weird juxtaposition of like liking heavy screen music, but really liking like these vocalists that, that weren't heavy, but kind of like talked about like dark things in a very beautiful way. Similar subject matter, but a little softer brooding, but not, not <laughs> all the distorted crushing guitars. Yeah. So it's yeah, content it, that you that really like draws you. Thing songwriter stuff that I had seen and then with like the heavy guitar like you know the double bass drums like like I like like I had this weird mixtures of stuff that I, my mom would always laugh in the car because I'd be listening to like theater music and opera and then like super heavy music and like Lamb of God and then like, my favorite though was always like Jagged Little Pill and she was like I don't know who you are yeah. <laughs> that is I'm, great I'm, <laughs> Nothing like perplexing your parents. I know I did it. My kids are doing it to me. So it's, uh, so when did you join or start Atlanta J and the grinders? Okay. So I was doing a lot of like, I went to school for musical theater uh, right before college. I, um, recorded some, a couple heavy songs, um, with actually Melissa kind of the voice teacher kind of guided me in that. And then it was time to go to college. And I was like, no, there's no way I can be in a band. I'm going to choose something way more reliable, like yeah. theater. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I was in college in Philadelphia and I was like, I, I can't be here. I want to be in the city. I want to be doing music. So I moved back to the city and was still doing theater, kind of got involved with this girl that was writing a lot of musicals. So I would just sort of like hang out with her instead of auditioning and do like her little projects. And then she was like, why don't we start writing together? And I hadn't written for a few years at that point. Like I kind of pushed that away. Okay. And we wrote like a, like four songs in a few nights. And wow. that was a lot of in the grinders beginning. We, I did that for a few years, just playing around the East Village. And that was sort of my segue back from like switching back from theater and acting back into doing 
kind of rock music. Okay. And the, so the writing with, with that was really collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was, it was actually, it, it was my favorite way to write. Originally it was just with my friend who was a piano player, but then it was just with my band. We would just like feed off of each other and okay. kind of like band writing, which was very different than how I I've done my last record. It was like with a producer. So different style, different oh. vibe. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey, everybody. I've got a great sponsor that I want to talk to you about. For a long time, I wondered if CBD was something that might benefit me, but I had no idea how to find out. I didn't know what products were available, what companies were reputable, and really even what questions to ask to get the answers I needed. That's why I'm so glad I found Pure Spectrum CBD. They helped me discover what CBD could do for me. They were awesome at determining what my needs were and they helped me find a starting point. I started with the tincture and the isolate, but there's also gummies, topicals, mints, and a lot more. Pure Spectrum not only has CBD products for wellness, they also have them for fitness and recovery. There's even CBD for your pets. The website has a ton of information and chat options are available, and all their products are third-party tested, and the results are available right on their website. So go to PureSpectrumCBD.com to do your own research, and when you check out Use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your order. Check them out on Instagram at PureSpectrumHemp and subscribe to their email list for sales, new products, and updates. PureSpectrum, refined phytocannabinoid wellness products for all lifestyles. That band is a lot bluesier, yeah. more rock than the heavier stuff. It's, it, to me, it's reminiscent of like a heart meets bad company, especially on yeah. songs like Skin. Yes. Fix it on fire. which is great, but you do get kind of dark on Barry. Yeah. I that think is- that was sort of like, I'm so glad you checked that stuff out. I haven't even listened to those in so long. Found an old shovel, I'll dig you a hole. So sick of, I'm sorry, I've got to let go. Your whisper is deafening, I can't stand the sound. Your mouth is a liar, shut up, get in the ground. I'm on a Barry.
finding my footing again. I'm really attracted to that kind of music. And I, I find that depending on my headspace is really the, because I've been so open to so many genres, it really dictates the writing. So like if I'm going through different sort, like I went through a very transitional time before this new uh, record that's coming out right. and it, 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 I was angry and I was like figuring things out and I was listening to a lot of heavier music again and, and it's fun. It's super yeah. fun. <laughs> and how long were, or was, I don't know what's the proper verb were, was Alana J and the grinders a band? I think probably like three or four years, like three and a half years. Okay. Then you, and you moved to LA. Mm -hmm. Were Was that, after the band dissolved or was that with the band dissolved because of that or how did had that whole thing yeah, work out? I, I think it was a mixture of things. We were all sort of like going in different directions a little bit. I'm still very close with everyone in that band. Um, okay. but you know, I wanted to come out and I wanted to bring all the music and work with producers to make it, bring it to the next level. Cause this was like, we'd never had anything produced. We had just been like writing and recording and no like third party kind of, pushing us to the next level or helping us, you know, like okay. figure out new ways. So I came out here for like a couple of weeks, worked with a few producers on songs I already had. And it took like a little bit of a turn. And then I went back to New York for a little bit. And then I, I just felt like it was time for a new project that everyone sort of was like doing their own thing. And I wanted to kind of go a different direction. Okay. And I really kind of liked because I hadn't I had only worked with a band. It was just a very different thing for it to be like just me. And then later on collaborating with Nick Rowe was a whole different thing, but it, oh, yeah. it, it was a definitely moving here, put the kibosh on the band, right. but it wasn't like a, like an abrupt thing. I came out here. I, I, I recorded some songs out here while I was still with the band. Um, and then um, a friend of mine was doing work tour on Cheer Girl stage and they offered me a slot and I did, I tried out, I did three shows with them and oh, cool. I, and I tried out some of the new stuff I was working on, which was like kind of the first iteration of what my new album is, but still not as heavy. Um, and it went really well. It was really fun. I didn't really have any reason to go back to New York. So I made like a, I just stayed out here. Was acting a draw for LA because you, you do have an appearance in Jim Gaffigan's show. You know, you did a little work with on one of the GI Joe movies. W was that something that you did while you're out there or was that part of the draw to go to LA? It wasn't part of the draw. I, I had done those already. Okay. The draw was, I just wanted like an, I, I, I love change and I was in need of like an aggressive change and I just wanted a new perspective on things. And I wanted, I found that when I was out here, I was getting, I was able to work with people that like would take me so much longer to even meet them in New York. You just like, yeah. I, I love, there's so many things I love about New York, but the thing about the time that I was here, I, I don't know so much if it's the same now after COVID, but the time that I arrived in LA, I really like fell into a group where I met a lot of musicians. I reached out to a lot of people and I actually heard back from a lot of the people, which didn't happen in New York. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> I think it gave me fresh opportunities, a fresh start, and I was really ready for that. Sounds like it was fairly immediate when you got there that you started working on new material and new yeah. new projects. Yeah. Yeah. Right when I came out here, um, I started doing like the the jams at the Viper Room because I wanted to meet the community. And I, you know, I got really involved in that whole thing for a while. Okay. And while I was doing that, I was like working, I just started, I, I had worked briefly with Nick Rowe, but we started like meeting regularly and the idea we were going to do like two songs and then two songs became three songs and then it became an EP. So it just became this really collaborative project. Instead of me bringing him songs I already had, we would write at the same time, Oh wow! which was different for me and sort of almost like a, a boot camp because he's so fast. He's like a genius. The guy plays like every instrument, writes songs in five minutes. I don't Jeez. take, like, it takes me a long, like, like I need a little time. So it was like really like good learning situation. Okay. Overwhelming, but a cool experience. How did you hook up with him in the first place? Is that one of the guys you just reached out to it and, and he responded or was there somebody that introduced you? So I was thinking about coming out to produce a few songs that I already had just to get like, see what I could do with what I already had. And, okay. um, Melissa cross reached out to the woman that was my teacher, like years before I reached out to her. She reached out to some people she knew. And this guy, Josh Wilbur, who actually mixed all of my songs 
um, he through her connected me to Nick Rowe. And then we, we tried one song, like I flew out, did one song and then sort of like a weird, like, I don't know how I did this. Like yeah. <laughs> it was just the right timing. I think people were feeling very collaborative. Like, well, I think that's when things turn out the best is when yeah. you look back on it and you're just like, I don't even know how this all happened, how I met these people or how yeah. we got this project going. I think I was like aggressive. Like once I moved here, I was like bothering him all the time. <laughs> I know you have like a life, but can we work? Can we work on these songs? <laughs> and I recorded like most of the album in his little studio in Eagle Rock in the back of his house. Oh, wow. I'm like screaming these songs in his face and he's like at the computer. <laughs> I can picture that right now. Oh yeah. my gosh. So is Motive Black, first of all, how did you come up with that name? Is it a solo project or is it a, a band? So it is, all the songs were created by Nick Rowe and myself collaboratively. And then I, I didn't want it to just be a solo project. I wanted to have like a core band because I really feel like everyone puts their own spin on things. And right before COVID, we had a band ready to go. And the song sounded great because everyone puts their like, like their little their own little twist, and it yeah. sounds awesome. COVID kind of killed that. Now we're we're back in action, different people again. But <laughs> the next record, I'm hoping that all the musicians will collaborate on it. But this one, Motive Black, was me and Nick Rowe, <laughs> and some pretty awesome guests. I mean, yeah, a few, yeah, some great. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking. You, you've got. Carla Harvey mm -hmm. cameos on one song. Two, three, four, five, six different songs. Marcus Curiel on, on a song. Like he brought, he came into for two days to drum and he made the songs, like he turned them into something else. Like it was incredible. It was amazing. And he's the nicest guy, like super nice, super supportive of new artists, no ego, just like incredibly professional, incredibly talented, really creative and like still has fun, which is so fun to see somebody still like getting excited in the studio, you know? Yeah. Especially with some of the work he's done in the past for him to, yeah. to see a new project and like, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, that makes me feel good. <laughs> you started working on this stuff before COVID. It's now 2022. That's, yeah. Man. It, was, it, was, it was a lot of, it was a labor of love. 2023. Jeez, I mean, yeah. I'm even behind. Some time, like a few times I was done. I was like, I can't, like, this is like, I, I got to get a real job and a yeah. real life, like figure it out. But <laughs> Every time I'd be like about to be done, something awesome would happen. Like Carla was going to be on a song or I got signed or I got like all these little things. So I was like. Something that just kept you going. Yeah, it kept me going. But um, I had an EP and that was done before COVID. And so we were going to like do that, try to like through that, eventually get a deal to fund the rest of the album. And, you know, COVID, everything shut down. And I think I want to say like a year and a half ago. I don't know. I've lost all concept of time. Um, <laughs> AFM, I, I was working with this manager named Renee Mata and he connected me with AFM Records. And so they 
agreed to sign me and fund the rest of the album. So I got to get back in the studio with Nick and write the second half of the album. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I've listened to the album for a little while now and I got to be careful because it's a pretty aggressive album. And I listen to it a lot while I'm driving to work. <laughs> and so I kind of have to check myself a little bit when I'm listening to it because I get into it and then I realize I'm driving like 80 miles an hour and I got to slow down. So job well done on <laughs> on the the heaviness of this the, the album. But I know that there's you know some sadness to the album there you know there's there's a lot behind the album that me that is very special to you i'd like to go into that a bit only as much as you're comfortable going into it i know my favorite track on the album was written about your sister mm-hmm. so that and that's auburn and that, that is just that's the first song i heard and when i heard it that's when i reached out and i like i've got to have you on the on the podcast are you empty inside Fortunately, that worked out, but your sister, Mia, is she a part of the whole album or is it? So that's definitely the whole album. I mean, it's a title track of the album. So I named the album as Auburn. My sister had red hair, so everyone referred, but she liked it to be called Auburn instead of red. She had, I don't know, self-loathing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And um, so there's a, so my sister passed away and I moved here about a year after that. Okay. And... I think her passing away incited, like it it was the impetus for me to change a lot of things in my life, which were not, not very easy. So of course she, the through, there's a through line of her through the whole album because the album is about going through like evolving. And when you evolve, it's, it's kind of messy and can be horrible and great and scary and scary. And you're not, you lose yourself and you find yourself and it's just, a couple of years of a hot mess sort of situation. And that's right. what the album is about. So she definitely was like the spark that started that. Okay. I think her passing away really made me look at other relationships I had and realize that like they weren't positive. And so a lot of the songs are inspired by those relationships as well. Okay. I mean, it sounds like you guys are really close. Yeah. Was she musically inclined as well? No, no. <laughs> she was a horrible singer. Fully <laughs> like, deaf. She was an incredible athlete and very, very smart. Like, just one of the smartest people I know. She was also ex- like very mainstream, like super preppy. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, it's like red hair, freckles, five ten. We look nothing alike. Like, <laughs> and we we're a year and a half apart. Oh um, wow. Yeah, she was like mainstream, straight A student, like uh, people pleaser. Yeah, oh, I know that feeling. Yeah. Did she see you perform? I mean, I'm not obviously not with Motive Black, but uh, with Ilana J and the the Grinders. Did she perform? Oh, did she? Did she ever get a chance to watch you perform? Oh yeah, yeah. She, she was a mess. Whenever like I would do anything, <laughs> she would cry. Oh. Like she was. She was. We had like a very. My sister had a problem with drugs, which okay. is, um, which I've mentioned in some interviews and she, she passed away because of that. And, um, it was so funny cause she was so, oh, I think she was so overwhelmed by her own emotions all the time. Like she would watch me sing and she would like hysterically cry or she would like, wow. she was like so affected by so many things. I'm like, it must've been exhausting to be in her head, but wow. But uh. yeah, she and I are really close. We also fought like, I mean, we're a year and a half apart and Total opposites, yeah. but uh, <laughs> sounds like my kids. They're like, yeah. I've got uh, well, now they're 18, 19, and 20. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, when they get along, it's amazing. When they fight, it's like World War Three, and yeah. it seems like two of them are always fighting at some point. I can never get all three on the same page. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that that's like us. It's like I'll never laugh with anyone like I laughed with my sister. Like we wow. had the same sense of humor. We made we thought that the same things were funny, like super dark humor. But I also she and I hated each other sometimes. So that's, that's siblings. Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm I was the same way with my brother and my sister too. It's yeah. So so you got this awesome album out and the love for your sister is definitely evident in songs. And mm-hmm. but I gotta tell you, it's you started off by basically punching me in the face. That song Lift Me Up with Carla Harvey. Holy shit. <laughs> what that I don't even know how to describe it. I'm, I'm going to add a clip in here just so people can ex- experience it because it's not a listening thing. It's an experience because it's heavy. Holy crap. It sets the tone for the album. It, it's, a, yeah. it's an amazing track. So that track I wrote um, sort of like in the middle, like middle towards the end of like, it, it was one of the later tracks in the album. And it's sort of supposed to be about realizing that like you only have yourself like no one else can make you feel good or no one else can protect you it's you you have to protect yourself and but also like you can experience things like you just you can't get lost in other people right and i think that's something that a lot of us do when you don't want to deal with your own demons you like kind of try to lose yourself in partying or other people or you know caretaking all different like for everyone it's different mine at the song was probably like partying, but that's sort of what it was like. And that's why it was so cool that Carla agreed to sing on the verse because she's so badass. And I was like no. such a fan of Mr. Babies. And I was like, and she was so cool. We didn't meet because like, well, it kept getting delayed because <laughs> everyone got COVID. Like right. we all got COVID. Like, and we're in different states. Like I got it and the producer got it then she got it. Oh, like, God. Um, so we would talk on the phone and then she recorded the song in, um, I think in Chicago, I think she was in Chicago when she recorded it or recorded the verse and sent it to us. And then I didn't actually meet her face to face until we shot the music video. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, wow. friends, but yeah, she was, she was super cool. So how did she get involved? Is it, you just reach out to her or did so, so she was like, we were trying to think of like getting another like woman or somebody on the track just to like make it like a, girl powery type thing for lack of like, I'm sure there's a better way to phrase that. But (laughs) so I I think what happened was my manager was out to dinner and she was there and he played the song and he's like, Oh, we're looking for someone. She's like, I like, I'd be into that. I think he's friendly with her partner. I'm not sure exactly how they're, why they were at the same dinner, but yeah, she like, and then she was super nice, got in touch right away. It was, it was great. And she was like, cooler than i imagined it was so it was so much fun that's got to be amazing just get, yeah. getting a, a message from from somebody yeah. who you admire so much like hey yeah, yeah. i want to work on your project Carla harvey's gonna call you i'm like oh yeah cool and i'm like in my pajamas like, <laughs> <laughs> <a little bit>. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> yeah sure i've heard a couple instances where people would, would be getting a, a you know a phone call like that and like oh yeah sure it's you and then hang up yeah yeah right super cool and she's really humble and like was really like all about the song, like did a great job recording it too. Like she sounded great on it. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it sounds like it was all recorded together. Yeah. Definitely yeah. does not sound like it was pieced together. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Then, and I don't know, I don't know if he's on that one because it's not showing, but the next song is the first one I'm, that I can see that features Ray and also yeah. Marcos and oh, God, oh, broken. broken is a great song. This whole album is really, it's has stuck with me and certain songs and like with any album, there's certain songs I get drawn to faster than others. And there, there are other ones, which I'll hit on in a second that have just slowly crept up and like smacked me on the head from behind and like, <laughs> Hey, I'm a good song too. But That's broken, awesome. broken was one of the ones that hit me immediately. And we, we touched on it a little bit, but how did Ray and Marcos both get involved in the project to start with? 
So uh, the guy that mixed was mixing on the song happened to be his name is Josh Wilbur. He mixed my final record, but he happened to be working um, on the Corn album, and he is. We have the same guy managing us, so he. I guess was talking to the man because I, I didn't the guy didn't even think to be like oh yeah let's get someone to drum. Right. But they were, t- you know, I think Ray's going to be in town. I think he'd be a cool addition. Let's see if he'll do it. Wow. And he was available to do it. And that's how that happened. And he's so cool. Like I went to, uh, I went back to New York uh, a month after he did the recordings and he was playing at Jones beach with Allison chains. Oh, wow. And he took like my brother and I backstage. It was so cool. Like, he's like, Oh my God, you're going to be here when I'm there. And he was like playing the music for people. Like he's a really good dude, like a really nice guy. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Oh. And I got to watch corn and Allison chains from backstage. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> Everything's just falling into place. Yeah. (laughs) Always like this, like then we got hit with COVID and then we got hit with, oh no. Okay. So not everything. (laughs) But this, this was like a primo experience. That is amazing. So, all right. So I'm listening to the album and then Purge comes out. And and one of the things I like about songs like Purge and, and I think just about every song on the album, you have this awesome knack for, for writing and performing these awesome soaring choruses i love it it's they're just beautiful thank you purge is one of my favorite examples of that it's it's great you told your lies but i figured you are so things never change it's just the way it's gonna be but you'll never see me I told you about the song that would hit me in the back of the head and that's cellophane. Oh yeah. Holy crap. That song is amazing. It's so heavy. The drum, the breakdown on that song is one of my favorites. It's incredible. It's just, you. I don't know how you have a voice, <laughs> even now, even after singing, you know, working on this album, starting two years, almost, well, God, two and a half, three, four years, whatever it was. Yeah. I, I don't know how you have a voice left at all. I don't know how it's just not completely blown away. Yeah, I just don't talk to people very much. I'm antisocial. Oh, there you no, go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's actually, um, it's uh, this, my voice teacher, Melissa Cross, really like teaches you like healthy ways. There's a reason that I'm not screaming on every song on the album because right. I'm not like, or, like, a, like Carla Harvey can scream for like an album and be fine. I cannot, but I can do a couple songs in a set. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another, another, you just made a great point that I wanted to bring up. That's one of the cool things about the album is in the uh, template of Led Zeppelin, you do a lot of light and shade with your vocals. Not everything's super heavy, and not, yeah. but not everything is. Are these big soaring vocals too? There's some beautiful parts in between that I that are gorgeous. The next song, "Bad Decisions," one of my another one of my favorites. Which something's kicking in there, and I, I really that song has, has kind of dug its claws in my brain too. Dancing on ice. Feeling on fire Lost in a trance Led by desire Desire, desire We're down to the wire False confidence Keep taking me higher Devour, devour Don't check the hour Let's go down And the music gets louder Let's make some bad decisions 
my favorite track that I mentioned is Auburn. Mm-hmm. And I know that one's really special for you. That one, you know, you wrote specifically with me in mind. And I, I'll listen to the album, you know, front to back completely. And then I'll listen to Auburn a couple extra times. Yeah, that one was, it was kind of like, I almost didn't want to put that song out because I was ready. Cause you know, people are like, everyone has opinions. Like everyone, and I was like, they're all the other songs, I'm like, they can, they can say what they want. Like, I had fun singing them. I have sung, like, I have fun performing them. Like, but this one, like, it really meant, like, they all mean something to me, but this one, like, was for somebody. Right. I was also nervous that my parents would not be happy. I'm from, like, my family is, not my parents, they're pretty, like, free, but, like, I, I come from a pretty religious Jewish family, and I didn't want to, like, put our life on blast, you know? And even we did a lyric video, and I used a lot of photos of us as kids, and I had to, I sent it to my brother, my mom, and dad first to make sure everyone was okay, and they were, like, everyone felt like it was a really therapeutic, cathartic experience for them, wow. which was awesome. Like, I didn't know how they would all react. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, because there's been a lot of issues with drug abuse and deaths in my family, and I think that being able to actually talk about it, not feeling shame about it. Cause there's this whole thing where like, you can't feel like you can still be proud of someone and the life they had, yeah. even if they died. Like there's so much shame associated to drug abuse and there shouldn't be any. So I think this was really nice, especially for my parents that they felt like proud instead of ashamed or sad, you know, that I'm so happy to hear that. Cause like you said it earlier, you just, you just don't know. You don't know how people are going to react yeah. to it. Yeah. So have you been able to to play these songs live much? So we're waiting on some confirmations, but we should have some shows um, in February and March in Los Angeles. Is it going to be tough to sing? Like, for example, I Auburn? No. I mean, when I was recording Auburn, we had to pause a lot. Oh, um, wow. But I've been practicing a lot and trying to like desensitize like you do thing you know yeah so i think it'll be okay but you never know because you get those adrenaline rushes during shows yeah you just and you, you just never know when something's gonna yeah, hit you yeah but uh. i mean it's right that's why that's why music is art and whatever happens is i think the best performances and the best singers aren't always like the most perfect it's it's what evokes like feelings in people you know so exactly i won't feel great if i have a fucking meltdown on stage but yeah. But I, I mean, that's live, that's live art. That's like performance art, you know, like that's, uh, that's if, what music is. If that were to happen, I guarantee you, uh, that would be the most memorable show for everybody in that audience. <laughs> so maybe even for you. It's hard to, cause you want to always connect to every song. And sometimes if a song is super like, um, like a soft spot, like an emotion, you know, you either like push yourself so far away from it that when you're performing it, it's flat. Okay. Or you're so far in it that you lose control of yourself. So it's like a, it, you really have to practice a lot with songs that really touch your soul in a way that makes you feel really emotional, you know? And I heard this on uh, something else you did, and I want to know if this, if this actually happened. You were working on a uh, acoustic version of Lift Me Up. Did that ever materialize? Oh, yes, but we didn't finish recording it. Oh. So I... I, I <laughs> I'm um, really bad with social media and I have all this stuff that's like half finished that I have to put together to post, but there's, it, it's cool acoustic. It's very different. All of these songs, it's interesting because when I do them acoustically, aside from Auburn, they're, they're kind of difficult to transition into just acoustic. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. But they sound really different, but there's some cool stuff that we can add that makes them, it makes them sound a little different, but like super interesting. And we've been playing a lot with that. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I hope you release some of that stuff because I love, I love the electric versions. And if I always always love when, when bands would do an acoustic version and mix it up. So it wasn't just a, just a stripped down version. It it would change it a little bit. Yeah. You've got a a band put together now. It's some different people than you started with. Was it hard to find somebody to match the, uh, the fire of of Ray and Marcos and all to, to in a permanent band? Yeah, right. It's very hard. <laughs> Find someone to drum like Ray. But I actually, I, I've had a few people like really nail it. I have a good friend of mine that was playing with us for a while and he kills it. Um, I'm hoping he's going to be able to continue playing with us. But um, 
Yeah, I found a couple of people, but it definitely is difficult because the music is difficult. Yeah. Especially the drums. I wanted to ask this earlier and I forgot, so I'm going to ask it now. How did you come up with the Motive Black name? Is there something behind that? Well, it was really out of desperation. We were coming up with all of these names and we had all these cool like ideas and they were all taken when you look up like this was like weeks of like yeah. ridiculous names even we were like what the hell so that <laughs> at the point we were it was like the first half of the album and everything had a very dark and underlying like, like a dark through line a lot of them songs were based on people that didn't have the best intentions and so you know we were all talking a few of us were talking on the phone Papa Roach's old drummer was on the phone and he actually came up with the name and we were like wait that's like that's like that it works and then like we sat with it for like a few days we're all like and it, it really worked like i like my aesthetic is dark my tone of writing is very dark my humor is dark yeah um, <laughs> like the through line of the album had a lot of like bad intentions and, and the people's motives not being what they were and my reactions are the songs to those like bad motives and um this is so it, it it encompassed the project really well. And it, it, like you said, it's, it's unique. I mean, I ask, I ask everybody how they came up with their band name because yeah. I always find that interesting. And that's the, one of the constants on this show is how difficult it is to come up with a unique band name. Yeah. It's cut before the internet. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> I, I didn't blit like ignorant bliss. I type in any name and I'm like, there's 10 bands. And that's the thing. I think social media had a, has a big, hand in that too because you know back in the 50s 60s 70s 80s all the way up to the i would say late 90s when the yeah. internet wasn't as all-encompassing as it is now yeah you could have a few bands with the same name and they would never know never know yeah but now it's like gonna get like stuck with a lawsuit because you have <laughs> like i'm like no yeah from some band in paducah or something it's not doing yeah. anything so. It, it, it's definitely a learning curve because like even just like the legality of, of bands and music and all that stuff like i was really learning it on the go so, so a lot of anxiety but <laughs> i was stoked with the name i think it fits well i feel really good about it it matches the sound of the album for sure yeah it's, for sure so so job well done there <laughs> all right so we mentioned the people involved in the album nick rowe josh wilbur you know all these amazing people You've got a band. You're hoping to play some shows soon. Hopefully, is it is it like a? Uh, are you looking to tour nationally or stay more regionally? Yeah, we wanna. We're looking to do some touring in the fall. So we're just getting everything set up now between uh, Renee, my manager, and the label, and just figuring everyone's schedules out. Awesome, awesome. Trying to work way in. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you what. I want to hear these songs live. I'm really excited. If, if you come out to the DC area, I'm there. Awesome. I, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. That's the best part of it is doing for me is live performances. Well, that's when the, you know, the music gets somewhat stripped down more, you know, it's a little, even, even on an album as heavy as this, it sounds yeah. a little more raw. Yeah. For and, sure. and I love that. So where can people find the album? How can they pick it up and, and follow you and then the band and find out your touring schedule? Um, so right now the best place to find us and there's links to our album and songs and there's pre-orders for the album now it comes out February 10th is on Instagram at motive black. Okay. And then we're also on motiveblack.com. Oh, excellent. So that'll, that'll have links to and yeah. ways to yeah. order it. And all right. So, I, again, I've just really loved this album. It's going to be one that stays in my rotation. You know, it's, uh, and I'm, just, I'm just really happy that everything seemed to work out. I know there was a lot of sadness with this album, but it sounds like it's leading you to some happiness. Yeah, so. I, definitely. I, I think, like I said, the album's about evolving at the, it's always worth it in the end, but it's a messy ride to get there, but you get, you get some cool songs out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> worth it right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, Alana, thank you so much for spending you know a good chunk of your evening with me. And, and, uh, I didn't get to see your puppy, your dog. Is he hanging out around there? Oh God, adorable. 
My best friend. Oh, <laughs> mine are locked up in their rooms because otherwise they'd be fighting each other and making a racket and I wouldn't be able to record. So. <laughs> yeah, so, no, she always does. Like she always will sit in a chair next to me when I, oh, I do an interview. She's supporting you. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm going to support you. I'm going to try to spread the word as much as possible about the album when you're out on the road. Again, thank you so much for your time and, and spending so much time and explaining everything to me. I, I really do mean it means a lot. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.